How's everyone doing this morning? Let me just say that it is good to be here at Faith Hill Church here in Johannesburg, South Africa. We've, I've been traveling for the last two weeks. The first week was in Nigeria, had an amazing time, but nothing is like coming for me back home uh, to South Africa. This is like a home away from home. It truly is. This is my second time here, but it is my wife's first time, and she has been blown away by the people, by the culture, by the food, just by, just by the city itself. And so she's definitely looking forward to coming back and spending some more quality time in this lovely place of Johannesburg. And, and listen, before we get started, I just have to acknowledge uh, the visionary leader, the pastor of this house, Pastor Tafara, for just who he is, for doing an amazing job in leading this ministry. He's a visionary. He's a global leader. He's a thought leader. He's more than just a dear friend, but at different points of my life, he's even been a mentor to me. Uh, Before even going into full ministry, uh, we connected. I had always been in ministry, but in terms of uh, being a pastor, he's deposited so many seeds of wisdom in my life that has uh, produced a harvest uh, from my marriage and from my ministry. And so I thank him for who he is. So let's just give him a strong round of applause just for being the man of God that he is. And so, listen, we had an amazing time on Friday dealing with uh, the singles in Brom. Is it correct? That's Brom. Had an amazing time there. And then yesterday morning had a phenomenal time with the the couples in our marriage seminar. And so this morning, I just want to continue in that flow and continue in that tradition and just talk to you about relationships a little bit. I know that we have some singles in the room. We have some couples in the room. And I want to be able to speak to both of you today and just let you know, ultimately, that, that there are three relationships that, that we have, three relationships that all of us have that we've got to learn to master. Uh, number one is the relationship that we have with ourselves. Number two, the relationship that we have with God. Number three, the relationship that we have with others. And the way that those relationships show up uh, changes depending upon what season of your life that you are in. And so if you're single today, I want to encourage you that if you have a desire to enter into relationships, you want to make sure that you have the proper foundation Because what we've discovered is that there are many people who are looking for love in all the wrong places and getting into relationships for all the wrong reasons. And then they wonder why their relationship isn't working out because they weren't grounded and founded in the right thing. And so whether we're desperate for relationship because we want to get out of a mom and dad's house or whether we're desperate for relationship because we just broke up with someone and we want to prove to that person that we're not hurting anymore and we want to make them jealous or maybe we're looking for financial stability or maybe we're looking for someone to complete us because we have empty uh, wounds that are in us that we want to be fulfilled and we think by, by seeking companionship it'll solve all of our problems. If we're looking for relationships for those kind of reasons, then we're always going to set ourselves up for failure. But when you truly have a relationship with God and he's anchored in you and he's the spirit that's moving and guiding and leading you in all truth, you will always make the right decisions because your foundation is strong. So when you get into relationship, if I can warn you of anything, it would be to go slow. Somebody say go slow. Take your time. Don't rush. Take your time. Get a chance to know that individual. It would be equivalent to picking a fruit from a tree. 
If you pick a fruit from a tree too early and that fruit doesn't get ripe and you bite into it, it's raw, it's bitter, it doesn't taste good. If you pick that fruit too late, then that means it may be spoiled or rotten. So there's timing to everything. And so when you take the time to really embrace your relationship with God, when you take the time to truly develop the relationship with yourself, it gives you the proper foundation for your relationship with other people. And as believers, if we're single, we've got to learn that we have to date according to the biblical formula, not according to the world standard. Because even when you use the word dating, the word in itself uh, is very controversial because it's not, it's not a term that we find in the scriptures. So we're taking what is considered to be common language and try to fit it within a Christian context. But if we don't know the biblical parameters for a healthy relationship when we're not married, then we can wind up short-circuiting the potential of what it is that God has for us in our lives. And so if we are on a journey to relational success, we've got to understand that there, in essence, particular steps that you have to take in a particular order to get you to your final destination. And so statistically, we know that single people generally in the world uh, usually engage in physical intimacy outside of God's design and will for their lives, and that becomes uh, the foundation of many of our relationships. So we're initiating our relationships with sex as opposed to consummating our relationships with sex. But when we take the proper steps in the proper order, we always win. So the first step on your relational journey should be a spiritual step, okay? So whenever you're coming together with someone, whenever you're meeting someone for the first time, do you share the same spiritual foundation? The, way, the reason why it's critical to have the same spiritual foundation is because Truth be told, your faith determines how you live your life. That in essence, your lifestyle is predicated upon your religious or faith-based association. So your faith determines how you raise your children. Your faith determines how you manage your money. Your faith determines how you live your life. Your faith determines everything. Because if we realize that the Bible is nothing more than basic instructions before leaving earth, And if we're making the Bible final authority in our lives, and it will lead us and guide us in all truth, that if that's our foundation, when we come into relationship with someone else, we want to make sure that they are anchored in the same foundation. For if we have different priorities, different focuses, different goals, going in different directions, we struggle. The Bible says, can two walk together unless they be in agreement? And so the foundational pillar, the first step, is ultimately the spiritual step. After you have cleared that both of you are believers, you believe in God, right? You have a passion for him. The second step is what we would call a social step. This is an opportunity for you to get together with someone in a social space and to see if you have things in common. Do you have the same passions? Do you have the same interests? Is there a level of chemistry? Do you get along with one another? You know, when you go out in social spaces with their friends uh, and you observe how they interact, is this an individual that you could potentially see yourself with? The social element is important because how many know you can't live your life in your home? 
right? So in your life, you're going to spend the majority of your time outside of your home, at work, engaging with other people. And do you have any shared interest in the area of your social environment? So that's step number two. Step number three is what we will call your emotional step. This is a time when you begin to share your heart with another person. And oftentimes, when we enter into relationships, we don't take the time to guard our hearts appropriately, and we expose our hearts to anyone and everyone. And oftentimes, because we don't have a true connection with us, they don't honor the heart. And so there's got to be an emotional connection and an emotional tie, and you discover that through time. That's why you can't race through a relationship. And oftentimes, if we've identified that there are four seasons to a successful relationship, the dating season, committed courtship, engagement, and marriage, we have a tendency of racing through seasons to get to the marriage season. So therefore, our relationship didn't properly develop over the course of time, right? We didn't, uh, in, we didn't experience certain levels of commitment. We didn't develop certain skills that were necessary to enter into relationship with that person because we were racing through these pivotal, very important seasons. And so if you don't take the time to have a true heart connection, an emotional connection, then you don't have the proper foundation. The final step is what we call the physical step. So while the world generally takes the first step in the world of the physical or the sexual, as believers, that is the final step that we take. And when you do things in that particular order, you're honoring God and you're getting into the relationships with the proper foundation. Now, every relationship is governed by laws governed by principles. So when you understand the principles and laws that make for a successful relationship, you will win every single time. But if you rely on your own thinking, if you rely on your own wisdom, you could wind up making critical mistakes that may set you apart and not allow you to experience all the pleasures that God would have for you. The next thing, singles, it is important for you to understand the difference between being ready for a relationship and prepared for a relationship. If you're alone and by yourself and you're pursuing a relationship, many people believe that they're ready. They're ready to dive in. They're ready to jump in. They're ready to find companionship. But the question is, are you truly prepared? Being prepared for a relationship means that you have healed from your previous relationships. You ever know somebody who's been in a bad relationship, jumped into another relationship, didn't have enough time to heal from their past, and they bring their past pains, their past hurts, all of the issues from that past relationship into that present relationship because they didn't take the time to be by themselves. So in essence, they were not prepared. They were ready for something that they were not prepared for. So taking the time to be prepared spiritually, to be prepared emotionally, even to be prepared financially sets you up to have a healthy relationship that ultimately is long-lasting. So when I was in a relationship with my wife, we dated for about a year and a half before we actually got married and said, I do. And along that journey, God intentionally on several occasions had to separate me while I'm still dating Danielle. Now, we did not break up, but God required that I took several breaks throughout that relationship because he said, son, there are certain things in you that have to come out before you enter into this marriage. So in essence, you've got to divorce yourself from certain aspects of yourself in order to be able to enter into a marriage that will ultimately work. 
So I had issue, I had ego issues. I had a false sense of masculinity. I had communication issues. I had this arrogance to me. I had just all types of ridiculous thoughts and notions about what a successful relationship would be that were negatively impacting my relationship. And God said, it is time for a break. It is time to take a sabbatical to get alone and by yourself and allow me to do some work within you so that when you enter back into that relationship, you are who you need to be in order to take the journey into marriage. So God had to prepare me. So in essence, there were certain things in me that he had to tear down in order for him to build me back up so that I would be on the path of true success. And because I took the time to do that, we entered into marriage with a pretty decent foundation. Okay, so those are some of the steps as a single person that would be good for you to take if you are interested in having something that is long lasting and that works. But then when you get married, that is the final season. But just because that is the final season doesn't mean that everything stops. Actually, everything begins again. And it's important for you to understand that marriage is spelled W-O-R-K, work, because it requires a whole lot of work. And many of us think that, you know what, if I'm in a relationship and there's love, then that's really all we need. It shouldn't take all of that. It shouldn't take all of this effort. Well, think about it. If you've been to school, like in the States, we go through 12 years of education. And then once we've graduated high school, we may endure four years of college. And then if we want an advanced degree, we may have another four to six years to get that type of education. So if you have any type of advanced degree, you will spend 20 years working and laboring and dedicating time and sacrificing and searching and researching in order to get a degree. If you have a job, oftentimes when we get jobs, it requires that we get in early, that we stay late, that we put in extra hours, that we do things that are beyond the job description. Why? Because we know that it's going to take hard work, education, effort, all types of things in order to get raises and promotions within our job. If you have a personal goal, if you want to lose weight or if you want to obtain a business or whatever it requires, you have to put in work. You have to struggle. You have to tussle. You have to do all types of things to get what it is that you say that you want. But somehow when it comes to relationships, we think it should just be easy. Well, if a marriage is worth having and if you're interested in a successful marriage, it's going to take the most work that you ever put in into anything within your life. Because when you do that, you're going to reap a harvest that you never thought was possible for you because you were willing to do what was necessary. So the question is, what are you willing to do to get the things that you say that you want? If you really want relationships that work, it's going to require a whole lot of work. And once you've done that, then you begin to transition into what we call the four different types of couples, okay? Now, I truly believe that according to the Bible, that marriage is God's secret weapon for kingdom domination in the earth realm. I truly believe that. Now, if we look at Genesis, the first chapter, the 26th through the 28th verse, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. 
it really begins to share in chapter 1, which is my favorite book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, because it's God's creation story. So if you really want to understand the nature of God, read that chapter, because as he begins to unpack things and create things, you understand what's significantly important to God. So verse 1 through 25, he's creating the earth and the heavens and everything within it in, six day, in five days. On the sixth day, he creates man. And this is what it says. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them. So here we see gender entering into God's creation. How many know that masculinity and femininity is not a social construct? It is not a man-made concept. It is something that has been designed by God. He created you to be exactly who you are. He gave you your own individuality. He gave you your own uniqueness. He made you completely different as a person from your partner. And those differences are strengths in the relationship if we can honor them. And so oftentimes we get into relationships trying to fix our partner, trying to make them just like us. We want them to think like us. We want them to be wired like us. But God did not create us that way. And any time you attempt to change the nature or the wiring, of your partner, what you're doing is telling God that he made a mistake. So God is not looking for sameness. He doesn't want you two to be the same. He's looking for oneness. So here we see in scripture where he creates male and female, uniquely distinct, created he them, verse 28. Then God blessed them. Now, when you understand the word blessing, blessing means to be set aside for God's religious purposes. So when he created man and woman, brought them together in marital union. He blessed their union, saying that beyond the benefit of this relationship, there should be purpose and intentionality to this union. So the question is, are you married on purpose? What is the purpose for your union? What is the agenda that you and your partner have come together to sign up for? What is it that you are here to do in the earth realm that will make tremendous impact on this world? What is the purpose? And God said to them, listen, here we go. Verse 28. After he blessed their union, he gave them a five-fold assignment of what they are here to do in the earth. It says, it says, to be fruitful, number one, to multiply, number two, to fill the earth or to replenish it, number three, and to subdue it, number four, and to have dominion, number five, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here we see impacted within these two scriptures, God says, I'm creating man and woman, putting them together uh, in a special union to have purpose in the earth to do five things. Now, if we understand that according to the scripture, we know that Satan is the God of the air. And we know that he has control and dominion over many of the systems of this world. And he's blinded the minds of people in the world. But we as believers, according to the word, we are not in this. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And so even though I'm a citizen of the United States, even though you are a citizen of South Africa, as believers in Christ, we are citizens of heaven. And the Bible says that we are ambassadors of what? 
We are ambassadors of Christ and Christ's kingdom. Now, interestingly enough, as we came to South Africa, I was interested in looking for the embassy. And if I'm not mistaken, the embassy is in Santon across the street from Santon Mall. Now, I could not get in the embassy, though I had a desire to. Now, one thing that is interesting about that U.S. embassy, if anyone in this land were to attack that embassy, in essence, they would be attacking the United States. They would be waging war on an entire nation by waging war on that embassy. Because once you step into that embassy, you're no longer in South Africa. Once you step into that embassy, you are now in the jurisdiction of the United States. So the cultures of the United States, the laws of the United States, the power of the United States exists within that embassy. And so as believers, if we're truly ambassadors of Christ, our home should operate as an embassy. And even though we're in this natural world, once we step into our homes, we should be stepping into the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom. And if we're operating according to the culture of the kingdom, and these are the principles and laws that we're using to govern our relationships, then that means that we have a competitive advantage in this world to win. So the challenges and the problems and the situations that other couples go through, we don't have to go through because we have the presence of God working in us and the laws of God that we abide by and we're anchored on every side to be, do, and have whatever it is that God has called us to do. And so once you understand your kingdom assignment for your marriage, you have victory. But then the question becomes, how do I get to that point? How do I get to the point where I become a power couple? Well, there are four types of couples or couple seasons or phases that we all must go through to get to that point. The first season or the first phase is what we would call the connected couple. I talk about this all the time, how typically we go through three phases. We go from being soulmates to rollmates to roommates. And what happens is we become emotionally disconnected over the course of time. According to statistics, the average couple uh, falls in love uh, initially in the relationship, but after two years, that in-love feeling completely goes away. Well, why? Because we haven't taken the time to invest in the relationship the way we did before we said, I do. And so slowly but surely, we lose the connection. And it's important to understand that if we're going to be on the road to success within our marriage, we've got to remain connected. And one of the ways that we remain connected is through time. Interestingly enough, when we say I do, we give up our relationship for the sake of the marriage. And while when we were dating, most of our time was spent talking on the phone and spending quality time together, once we got married, all of a sudden it became about bills and it became about work and babies and and church and all of the extracurricular responsibilities of our life. And our marriage becomes the last thing on our list of priorities. And we're not giving each other the time to build the connection that's necessary to keep us together. And we find oftentimes that even when couples are together, spending what they call time together is truly not quality time. Because we could be on the couch in our living room together, but if she's flipping through her phone and I'm searching through the channels on the TV, 
We're physically together, but there's no togetherness. And so togetherness represents creating intentional moments where you connect with your partner through recreational companionship, through dates, by creating couple rituals that bind you together. And listen, we've heard the expression that couples who pray together stay together. Is that correct? But we also know that couples who play together stay together. So if you don't take the time to connect and to play and to engage in recreational companionship and spend quality time talking and communicating, then you remain disconnected as a couple. So the first focus is to get reconnected. So sometimes, and technology is one of the biggest distractions in our lives, when we become disconnected from technology, it allows us to reconnect to one another. So number one, the first phase is the connected couple. The second phase is what we call the skillful couple. Now, how many of you in this room have a driver's license? All right. So before you got your driver's license, I would imagine you had to take a test. Is that correct? All right. Well, before you took that test, I would imagine that you had to go through a driver's ed course to learn the rules of engagement for driving a vehicle in Johannesburg or whatever part of South Africa you may be in. And once after taking the test, or excuse me, taking the class, learning the lesson, passing the test, a driver's license is then issued to you. Is that, is that how it works? In fact, your marriage, I'm sorry, your driver's license at some point will expire and you've got to renew it and get another driver's license in order to be legal, in order to operate on the road. Isn't it interesting how we put so much time, so much energy, so much effort, so much skill, so much knowledge into getting a driver's license, but put no skill into getting a marriage license? We spend more hours preparing for the wedding day than hours spent preparing for the day after. We'll spend a year putting our wedding together but we'll spend three or four hours in a class or a session preparing for our marriage. So we have a license, but don't have the skill to carry the license. Now think about it. On your job, if you want to be promoted, you have to enhance your skill. You may have to go back to school, get an education. You may have to do on-the-job training. You may have to get certain licenses and certifications. And what happens is as you become a person of value, you're recognized by your company, and then they see that skill and promote you based upon your area of expertise. But isn't it interesting how in our marriages, we are not experts. We just stumble and fumble and mumble and trial and error through our relationships, expecting them to work out, but we do not have the skill that is required all the time to make it work. So developing the skills, you must understand that there are two different skills that you have to develop. It's what I call soft skills and hard skills. Soft skills speak to these heartfelt connections that you have with your partner, right? These soft skills represent your relationship, your companionship. Your hard skills represent the skills that are necessary to have a successful marriage, right? So the hard skills could be proper management of the finances, delegation of responsibility, knowing how to parent your child, knowing how to plan for the future within your home. 
that represents your marriage. Those are your hard skills. It may be doing home, you know, doing work around the home, just the tactical skills that you need to function in this world. The soft skills are, is the emotional connection, knowing how to effectively communicate, knowing how to meet your partner's love language, knowing how to speak it and meet their emotional needs. Those are the soft skills. So you need both soft skills and hard skills to become a skillful person to enhance and experience promotion within your marriage. Just like you can experience promotion on a job, you can also experience promotion in your marriage. So there are levels to your relationship. And I would say in the first few years of my marriage with my wife, we were in the basement when it came to skill sets. And in order for us to get to the first floor, we had to go up a bunch of steps. And it required that every step we took was another skill that we added, another piece of knowledge, another book, another seminar, another class, another counseling session. And as we began to learn each other, and as we began to learn what it took to make relationships work, we were able to slowly elevate to the next level. So the question is, what level are you on in your relationship right now? What level do you truly desire for your relationship. Whatever it is, you can't pray your way to that level alone because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. So it's going to require, once again, some work to make this relationship work. So it requires what we call skillful couples. The third type of couple is what we would call the impenetrable couple. The impenetrable couple, meaning you cannot penetrate through this union. You cannot tear it apart. You cannot destroy it. We've made a decision that divorce is not an option. So no matter what the trial, no matter what the temptation, no matter what the pressure, no matter what the hardship may be, when it hits us, we will not be rocked. It will not destroy our foundation. We have made a decision that we are sticking this out, and we're going to fight through this till we win. And oftentimes, many of us, when we experience challenges in our relationship, we want to give up. We want to cave in. We want to quit. We want to throw in the towel because it's just too hard or it's taking just too long, and we don't have the endurance and the stamina that we need to make it through. But how many know that when you go through situations in your relationship, it's just a part of life? That anybody who is successful that you can point to nine times out of ten has a story of hardship. In fact, in order for them to become successful, they had to go through the path of failure. There's a phenomenal book by a man by the name of um, John, uh, uh, John Maxwell. He wrote a book entitled Failing Forward. And it implies that in your life, you're going to receive uh, undesirable results. You're going to have goals and not quite reach them. And you may fail in your attempt to accomplish what it is that you want to do. But as long as you're failing in a forward direction, you can pick up and keep on going and failing in a forward direction. And slowly but surely, you will eventually get there. As long as you're not failing back, but failing forward, then you're doing what is necessary to get what it is that you say that you want. It was T.E. Lawrence who said, all men dream, but not equally. Those men who dream at night in the dusty recesses of their minds awaken to find that it was but vanity. But those who dream by day, these are the dangerous ones, for they dream with their eyes open to make sure that their dreams come true, right? So we're talking about being a visionary. You have to be a visionary in your marriage. You have to look beyond your current situation. You have to look beyond the struggle, beyond the pressure, beyond the, plain, the pain, knowing that there's a possibility for you to overcome everything that you're currently going through. 
This is where your faith is required. And so as believers, the competitive advantage that we have is that we should be grounded and founded in the word of God, which constantly builds our faith. So when someone is not anchored in God and faces a situation, they can justifiably and rationalize to themselves why it just won't work. But because you're anchored in the word, if you just focus on the principles and the stories that are outlined in the scripture, you have everything that you need to make it through. So your faith is so critical to becoming an impenetrable couple. So when my wife and I faced the threat of divorce, year three in our relationship, we knew that we had to do something. Now, I came from a household where my parents still today are together after 45 long years. But how many know the length of your relationship is not consistent with the success of the relationship? That you can be married for a long time, but married and miserable, right? And so the length of the relationship encouraged me to know that even in our third year, they overcame challenges. We can overcome challenges too and hopefully make it to 45. So I was anchored in the possibility of how long it could be, though we wanted it to be healthy. But now my wife comes from a family background where her parents divorced. And so what she saw was a broken household. What she saw were financial challenges. What she saw were... uh, sibling issues as a result of not having both mommy and daddy in the home. And so because she came from that environment, she made a decision that she did not want that for herself because she didn't want her children to inherit a legacy of pain as a result of the broken relationship. So we had something, even when we weren't connected to each other, we had something that we were anchored in that kept us connected in the relationship to work through our issues. So what becomes your motivation? What is the source of your motivation? What is your why? Because if you have a strong enough why to stick in there, then no matter what the situation is, you can endure any how that comes your way. And so you've got to get to a place where you say divorce is not an option because once you know that the enemy's assignment is to destroy your marriage, sometimes the struggles that you're facing in your relationship really are spiritual warfare taking place in your household. And so what happens is you wind up looking at your spouse as the enemy, not realizing that there's an enemy behind the both of you that's pulling strings and causing situations to happen to create what? Discord in your household. And you're pointing the finger at one another and fighting with one another instead of joining forces and fighting against the enemy. And when you begin to enter into spiritual warfare and a spiritual fight, the Bible says that we're more than conquerors and we win every single time. And a conqueror is someone who shows up to the battle and wins. But someone who's more than a conqueror knows that he's won the battle before he even gets there. And so when you are anchored in the word and have true faith in your God, then that means that you're victorious before you even enter into the fight. And everything that the enemy attempts to do, we know that he's ultimately going to be defeated because we're anchored in the right place. And so because we decided to become an impenetrable couple, we were able to go through the seasons of hardship. Now think, in life, you, well, in the States, I don't know about here in South Africa, but in the States, we have winter, summer, spring, and fall. Do you have those here? It's the same here? Okay. So your fall season represents things, you know, usually leaves start falling off the trees. That represents a decline. Something is happening. I feel like my life is spiraling out of control. And then you hit winter when it's cold, right? And that represents death. 
And oftentimes when we go through uh, a declining relationship or some type of death that has taken place in the relationship, that's when we begin to justify, well, maybe this isn't the person that I'm supposed to be with. You know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe, maybe God was wrong, right? So we either blame God, we blame the devil, we blame our spouse, we blame everybody but ourselves. But when you're anchored in the word to say, listen, if it's true that every year we're going to experience winter, summer, spring, fall, and it's seasonal, then what I'm going through in my marriage is seasonal. That if I'm going through something, that's a good sign because that means that I'm going to get, I'm going to get out and come out on the other side because I'm going through it. The problem is when you're stuck in it. So you have the potential of shortening your season or you have the potential of prolonging your season by what? Your level of faith, by your belief system, by the skills that you develop, and by your ability to connect with your partner. Now, after going through those three seasons, you now begin to transition to the fourth season or the fourth phase. So we talked about connected couples. We talked about skillful couples. We talked about impenetrable couples. Now we must talk about power couples. How many people want to have a power couple relationship? That means that if you truly want to become power coupled, then that means, number one, you have to understand that God is the foundation of that relationship. And if he blessed this union, which means he set us apart for his purposes, then we have to go back to our God because we're in a threefold covenant relationship with God. And so as we move towards God, we meet each other at that point. But if we attempt to move towards one another, we leave God out of the equation. So the key to becoming a power couple is bringing God back into the relationship. A lot of times when we get married and say, I do, we invite God to the wedding ceremony, but we don't allow him in our homes because we don't live according to his word. And so when we bring him back in the fold and allow him to begin to reveal to us what the purpose for our union is and the purpose for our marriage is, everything begins to change. So Pastor Tafara and his lovely wife, there's purpose and intentionality to their union. You all are a manifestation of their purpose. They are now in New York City and probably traveling to other places. Who knows why? Because they're operating in their purpose. My wife and I are now in South Africa because we're operating in our purpose. Year one, two, and three, when we were fussing and fighting and getting on each other's nerves and didn't like each other, we didn't understand what our purpose was. We could not see this day at that time until we began to close our eyes and open up our spiritual eyes and allow God to begin to speak to us and to allow us to know that what we were going through wasn't just for us, but there would come a time that we would share our challenges with other people so that they can be inspired to know that regardless of what they're going through, there's something waiting for them on the other side. And so we operate as a couple of hope to couples who are lost trying to figure out what to do. We're operating in our purpose and making impact in different parts of the world. So whether you travel the world or whether you stay here in Johannesburg, South Africa, it's not about where you geographically go, but it's about the impact that you're making on the world around you. So either you can travel to different parts of the world or you can impact your own world. How do people benefit from your union? Are people inspired by what they see or are they discouraged by what they see? You have to realize that 
even though I'm on stage right now at this second, even when I get off stage, I'm still on stage because there's always people watching you. There's always people observing how you interact with your spouse. They're looking at you from head to toe. You think they're evaluating how you look physically. So we put all of our effort into how we look, into our hair, into our makeup, to make sure that we're wearing the right clothes and dressed the right way and that we present ourselves the right way. But they're looking past all of those different things. They're looking at the details of who you are. They're looking at the little intricacies about your life. And what you're either doing is sowing seeds of confusion or sowing seeds of confirmation about the truth of God's word. So you are living your life not just for you. Your marriage isn't just for you. Yes, there are benefits to this union, but there's a purpose. And if along my journey, I can inspire one couple who was ready to give up caving and quit. They came here depressed. They came here wanting to commit suicide. They came here wanting to throw in the towel. They've given up all hope. But whenever you say there is no hope, you're slamming the door in the face of God. And when people don't have a true relationship with the Father, they don't read his word. The only Bible that they will ever read is the life that you live every single day of your life. And so that's why as believers, even in our marriage, we have to become the walking, talking, living, breathing manifestation of God's word and to be the best example to others so that they can glean from the brilliance and the wisdom and the power of our relationship. So when you operate in your purpose, not only do you win, but the world begins to win. And that's how we become God's secret weapon. Because if our agenda is his agenda, And if his agenda is spreading the kingdom of God in the world, your marriage has a major component to that process. Because you as an individual operating in your purpose, when you come together with your partner, there's an amplification of power that takes place in the earth realm. So you're able to get things done quicker, easier, and smoother because you have the partnership of someone else. That's number one. But in your union, the Bible says that he's given us the ability to be fruitful and to multiply. And so your union creates children that creates a generation of kingdom believers who will further advance God's agenda on the earth. So every aspect of your union should be intentional. How does this please God? How does this benefit God? How does this tie into our purpose? How does this allow us to make impact on the world? When you begin to do that, all of a sudden, not only does your marriage benefit, but everyone in your circumference and every single one in your world. Now, if we understand that marriage is the foundation of every civilization on this earth, because guess what? Marriages clustered together create a community. Communities cluster together create a nation. Nations cluster together create a civilization. So if you want to make an impact outside of your home, start by making one inside your home. Amen? Was this helpful? So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for every individual in this place today. Lord, you know what it is that they're going through, what they're struggling with. You know what's on their heart. Father God, I just pray that you will meet them where they are at. Speak to them. Give them hope. Help them to know that there's something beyond what they're currently going through. Help them to seek your face and develop the skill that is necessary to be able to transform their life. But help each and every one of us to realize that before we can master relationships with others, we first must develop and master the relationship that we have with ourselves. But that is anchored in the relationship that we have with you. 
So, Father, help us to reconnect to you. Help us to know you in a more intimate way. Change our hearts and change our minds and change our souls. Help us to become more like you, Father God. And as we become whole and healed and complete within ourselves, not only do we benefit, but your people benefit as well. So, Father, we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.